Hello, welcome to episode 80 of the Therapy Tales podcast. That's a nice round number. Uh, with me, Dawn Walton, the human behaviorist. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I totally forgot to tell you, I have a new name. Okay. So I really like um, Ace Venture, a pet detective. Okay. Um, there were so many Jesses on the weekend. Yes. So I decided that I was going to be called Ace. Ace. And now I want my last name to be Barker, because that's just awesome. Ace Barker. It's nice and neutral. Gender free. But you're an ace barker. Ace barker. It's Which really means you good... bark really in an ace way. <laughs> I'm such an 80s person, it's like, oh, that's ace. I like it. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I think I would... Um... Does this go along with the questionnaire I asked you earlier about do I have any mental health problems? <laughs> I think I would choke every time I tried to say, hey, ace, how are you doing? Well, the other one that I really liked um, was... It sounds like a porn star name, so I'd rather not say it. Well, now you have to, because you're going to leave everybody, like, massively curious. If you I really like the name, like, Portia. Oh, yes, that does sound like a porn star name. Well, one of my relatives, the, the last one of the Portia line, just got married. Right. So I was like, oh, I could take that. Jessica Portia. But I don't want to be Jessica, because there's so many Jessicas. Yeah. So, um... But you're the original. I like, I like, uh, like Phoenix, like Phoenix Portia. Or Jessica Gunn, that's also cool. But um, that looks really amazing. Someone's just dropped, brought me a raspberry ice cream crowley. Yeah, today. so location-wise, we are in a new location. It's like the guided tour of podcasts now. So we've, we've done Tim Hortons. We're now in the Camperdown Elm, um, which has real food and stuff like that in it. Um, real food? <laughs> real food, as opposed to you know Starbucks, which is not real food. And you just end up with Greg's all the time. Or Tim Hortons, where you have to pay £200 for a, a one chicken tender or something like that. Remortgage your house. Yeah, remortgage your house. So at least you get like... These people should really be like giving us some money for all the marketing that we do for them. Well, by saying that they don't charge £200 for a chicken tender. <laughs> I'm not sure how, how, we go there but don't eat there. I'm not sure how good a marketing strategy that actually is. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, Jess has just got dessert after I ordered the uh, chili and Look chips. Look what they've done with the icing sugar. They've made oh, it's a... so pretty. It's a little snowflake. Well, now we have to take a picture so we can share it on the podcast front page okay, so okay. that everybody doesn't have to die with curiosity about what your dessert looks like. So we were talking about... Got a picture. Um stress i started off the conversation with mental health problems and then me saying i don't have any and dawn raising her eyebrows <laughs> you just asked a really loaded question <laughs> like, do you do you think i have any mental health problems and when i said well yes you went rude <laughs> tell me what's wrong with me and it's just like okay that's not that's no, a good, good not normally for, how your therapy sessions go well it's not, it's not a good opener for an open conversation <laughs> Because normally I wouldn't say yes, to be honest. I'd just kind of go, well, everybody does. But I assumed that we've spent enough time together talking about this that when you, I say yes to you, you wouldn't kind of go, I haven't got a mental health problem. But that was wrong. <laughs> so I, I got, wrong I got defensive. Mm -hmm. So that led us talking about our differences in opinion on what mental health is. Mm -hmm. And then we thought we should probably record this. So here we are. Here we are Let's recording. Let's start again. <laughs> so um, I, my take from like dogs anyway is that the stress levels of the hormones that are responsible for stress and, and affecting the immune system and so on um, are there in a chronic way therefore it would affect the decisions that you make when you're under that mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? So for me, the mental health, a mental health problem is something that you carry with you at all times. And, and you know, and I understand what you're saying when you say stress um, on a stressful situation, but it's almost like, and Jesse's going to hate this, but imagine, remember the bucket thing. So we talk about the blood chemistry and, and the bucket being half full. If you're carrying it around with you everywhere half full, it doesn't take much to fill it. Or someone who's not chronically stressed yes. would have a less full bucket and therefore would be able to have more resilience, more tolerance for a stressful situation. So I talk about a full cup. So um, let's talk about um, the kind of fight, flight, freeze response, which is a physiological and emotional response designed to help you survive being attacked by a tiger. So it is a short-term burst of adrenaline which adjusts your pain response so if you're running away from a tiger and you stand on something sharp you can ignore the pain but when you've stopped and escaped you can pay attention to the pain because that's critical for survival you can ignore exhaustion if you're running and then you can recharge when you're not running so fight flight freeze is a physiological response with adrenaline and all that sort of stuff designed for a short-term in and out state which means that if for whatever reason you are permanently in that state, then everything's, to use a technical term, messed up because it's out of balance and your um, resources are burned up using the staying in survival mode. So if we, I like a buck, a cup better than a bucket. So your cup is absolutely full to the top and you walk along. Hang on, hang on. Why is a cup better than a bucket? Because um, in America they call buckets pails and I find it really hard to say pail. And, and I try and speak a language that goes across boundaries. So a cup is something we have everywhere. Plus, it's not as big and it doesn't feel so ominous to empty. So, okay. <laughs> so from a therapeutic perspective, a cup's easier to think about because it's smaller. Yeah. And also Americans don't say bucket. They don't. They say pail, P-A-I-L. So what's a bucket? Um, it's a, um, it quite often is the thing on the front of a digger or something like that. It's a, oh. it, it's, it can be a bucket, but yeah, I mean, they say trash can instead of trash trucks, right? Instead of bin lorries, cause they don't say bin and they call it trash. It's trash truck. Isn't that hard to say? Trash Haven't you got like two litres of blood though? So when my, 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 in my analogy, the bucket would contain the two litres. See, blood. now I'm a vampire already. You've you know, only we've got, got a little cup. You've got blood and a vampire. I've got a cup with water in it. Mine's so much less like threatening than yours. You've got a bucket full of blood. And plasma. I mean, like, well, yeah, that's the whole point, right? Like a vampire comes running past and goes, woohoo! <laughs> so anyway, my cup is full of water. I can throw my cup at the tiger. And it's really hard to carry the cup without spilling the water. So you actually adjust everything you do. You're walking along really steadily, not spilling anything. You're taking it to a whole new level. No, I started here. You're just joining me with a bucket of blood for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, And then somebody comes along with a little pipette and they put a drop of water in your cup and suddenly it overflows everywhere. And you blame the pipette, but actually the problem was that your cup was already full of water. Whereas if your cup was half empty and somebody comes along with pets, you wouldn't notice. Okay, sure. In your analogy... Mm-hmm. Which is better and doesn't involve vampires. Rude. In your analogy, mental health is carrying around a fairly full cup. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. in, in my analogy, crossing over with your analogy, if you are in a, a permanent state of, of hypervigilance or stress then you are carrying a full cup. Most people 
um, are emptying and filling the cup all the time based on situations. So when I said to you, do I have mental health problems? Yes. Because I don't think that I do. And yes. you went, yes. You think that my cup is full? No. <laughs> I think when your cup is full, you don't know what to do because it's quite unusual for you for your cup to be full. Right. How is that a mental health problem? Do that's just like a really bad response to stress? <clears throat> yeah, because we have a different definition of mental health problems. For me, there is no such thing as on and off mental health. I think we have states that we come in and out of and those states are different. So for example, if somebody's experienced trauma growing up, they actually probably do a really good job of managing in a crisis. They can do um, really highly stressful jobs because in comparison to what's going on inside of them, it's nothing. So they can deal with stress incredibly well, but they usually can't deal with small things like you know smashing your favorite cup or something like that because that just tips you over the edge. So if you want somebody to run a company, you probably want somebody who's had trauma in the background. So, <laughs> so okay. I, it's not always a bad thing. Okay, but, but trauma in your background is different than carrying, <clears throat> carrying a cup full of trauma right now. No. So the way I see it is that when you're chronically stressed, mm -hmm. I think I said that before, when you're chronically stressed, you can paddle just fine above the water you're like the proverbial swan mm -hmm. and no one knows what's going underneath the water mm -hmm. but your immune system does because mm -hmm. your chemistry is out of whack mm -hmm. and eventually that takes its toll yes i agree so tell me again why people with trauma are better in jobs where because they're better at the jobs in. because they're actually far better at pretending that the underneath the water paddling like heck isn't going on they're better at seeing calm, whereas somebody who's not used to dealing with that level of stress well, will be more effective that by paper. it. That's your comparable, comparable skillable experiences. Close. Yes. No, I didn't Comparative. Scalable. I said that. You said comparable. Comparable. Comparable, scalable. Like too many bulls. Okay. <laughs> but really close. Pernicky. So, um, put on a t-shirt, Will. <laughs> so, on paper... Mm -hmm. Someone who's dealt with a lot of stress mm -hmm. would deal with stress easier than someone who hasn't experienced it. Yes. I get that. But if they're triggered by something. So here's an example. You're not going to like it at all. I've watched you do lectures and stuff. Oh, God. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't like destroy me in the <laughs> middle of a podcast. <clears throat> I've watched you do lectures and things. And I'm just like in awe about, you know, your confidence and... Um, you know, all the all the bits that go along with you know delivering to an audience, um, which I, I couldn't do. I'm getting better, but you know, the strangers especially. I like to sit. In fact, the weekend, I actually found myself. Um, you know, people that are delivering a lecture or talking and tend to be in front. I actually find myself sitting among the people because mm -hmm. I think that we're sharing and learning mm -hmm. together. Uh, I learned a lot this weekend. Actually, I used a prong collar for the first time. Mm. Holy moly! We can explore that later. This weekend, by the way, was a weekend in Yorkshire for trainers. Sorry. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just helping the people listening who might randomly listen to this in 10 years' time and go, what the heck? What is this pub thing that they're talking about? And... No, sorry. Well, we're not going to have pubs in 10 well, years. Well, I don't know what we're going to have in 10 years. I'm not a sci-fi writer. We'll probably be um, underground escaping from the radiation from the heart bomb. <laughs> <laughs> We're doomed. Um, anyway, so back to uh, sitting in amongst people and watching me. And... So that you can stand up in front of everybody and be really confident and so on. And it crossed my mind, because, you know, I have that little bit of a, the two sides. 
It crossed my mind that if I'd said a certain word or sentence, you could you would crumble. Right. Because of what I know. Um, and I obviously would never do that, but it's and it, wouldn't. it was interesting for me to have that thought because it brings back to you're saying we make good em- employees, but with certain triggers could make them... Highly unlikely okay. because it's a, it's a very disassociated state. So the only way... So very few people are going to be able to get close enough to you to say anything and the whole point of that state is you're used to not connecting with your responses and your feelings because you're so good at disassociating. because you're so good at disassociating so somebody could pretty much do anything in that context now afterwards you could have a reaction okay okay so um i i have had a situation during this week where something happened in an online session that was really triggering for me wow um and there was there was an altercation between um, a teenager and their parents that happened live on camera in front of me that was quite terrifying. It was verbally violent um, and incredibly triggering. And um, the call carried on for quite a while. And um, I had, I was fine with it. It was all right. I could deal with it. And then I gave the, the person instructions that we'll, you know, when they can get some quiet time, We'll have we'll continue the session and it's not a big deal for me and all this sort of stuff. But I came off the call, I was shaking really badly. I was actually quite upset. And that was nothing to do with what really had happened. It was to do with what it meant to me. But I absolutely was able so to deal with time, it fine. At the just... time, I was absolutely fine. Okay. But I was aware of this reaction afterwards. And nowadays I'm able to kind of sit with that. I spoke to a fellow therapist friend and we worked through it and we talked about where it came from and looked at learnings from it and things like that and and did the make it useful thing. But at the time I was quite shocked by the scale of my response to this particular event. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about dogs. Yes. Because they're not as complicated. Nope. Um, I wrote a little piece this morning about... So I've been asked a couple of times in the last week about rest days. So there's um, a couple of people have said that it's been recommended now to once a dog's had an argument. Do you know how we work with reactive cases and dogs are kicking off and lunging and so on? Um, that when they have a, an argument like that or a confrontation, we should rest them and not let them out again right. on a walk for a few days. And okay. what were my thoughts on that? And I said, well, it's a load of rubbish. Um, well, of course, we've got a, a problem in the system, but... If the dog's in that severe state, we should be taking it out in the first place. Okay. Um, but you would notice if the dog was in that severe state. However, you do get underlying stress that's just normal, normal, normal. I'm living with one just now. Yeah. Um, and the owners won't see that. And then I'm comparing it because I'm also aware when I was writing that this morning that you've told me when you have a, a stress response like that with your client on your call, it would take you a few days to recover. Mm-hmm. So imagine they've taken that data from the human side and then applied it to dogs. Yes. But it's not the same thing. No. Let's talk about why. <laughs> well, you start because you started the subject. Well, I wrote in my piece about what's the meaning behind. So if I'd been in that client call with your clients doing therapy work, um, I wouldn't have the same response because it's you the meaning not. behind it and I've not got the meaning behind it. Yeah. But dogs don't have the same complexities around that, so it's very much by association. We can counter-condition a lot of stuff with dogs. 
um, what I'm looking at is the chemistry underlying that. So that's why I was saying to you about mental health for me. Or, or we don't really talk about mental health in dogs. Oh, well, we do. Sorry, we you know, do. They're depressed and they're anxious and they're. <laughs> well, well, we do, but in a different t- setup. Yes. And, and humans are doing it as a state of, um, like dogs in a trauma state or so on. How can we possibly know that? Yes. We can't ask them. Yeah. Oh, so the meaning is a really off. important one, right? So, so. Um, in my world and the way I see things, um, it's not about what happens. It's about how we process and reconcile and consolidate. So it's about the meaning and what we learn from what happens. And um, as, as people, we struggle with that because we tend to react and then kind of criticise ourselves for reacting, going, what's wrong with me? As opposed to going, that's interesting. Wonder why I reacted that way. So for me, I was... I'm at a stage now in, in my journey where I was able to go, whoa, that's an interesting reaction. Why has that happened? What can I learn about that? Is there something that I need to address? Um, and so That's it, a big difference, right? Because mm. your average person wouldn't be self-reflective enough to recognise there was a change. No. Plus, um, the average person around a dog will apply their meaning to the situation. So when I talk to owners about the dogs, when I, when I deal with the dog owners and, and I work with them, always start with a nice, simple question. Tell me about your dog. And I have never had anybody tell me about what's happening with their dog and how it's affecting their mental health. Everybody tells me the story of their dog. Well, it had a nasty operation when it was younger. It met this dog in the park and they had a bit of a fight and it's never been the same since it's anxious it's really worried about stuff so what we do is we take our meaning we apply it to the dog and then we treat the dog as if that's true and we interpret every single thing the dog does as it being about this thing that we've interpreted in our meaning because that's the way we work ourselves it's all about meaning but actually meaning subjective it's based on age that we are at the time mental state at the time circumstances and what's going on and that's that's most of my work is getting rid of the meaning that's incorrectly locked into our brains from something that happened ages ago so we had an incident over the weekend um the, the retreat no not a retreat behavioral workshop um where athena jesse's pup was um squished by a great dame right and he got away from me. So he was muzzled and she wasn't physically hurt, but she may have been bruised or whatever. He's a big dog. And we actually got it on camera. So she'd come up underneath him. He'd just been fed. So I think that was the trigger. I'm not sure. Maybe it was proximity. She's underneath him. She's given the submissive signs and he flattens her, but he gets away from me. He's so strong. So you had her in two, two um, locations towards her and then somehow he flipped and then she was underneath him. And um, we didn't make a fuss. No. Nice and calm, take him away, deal with that. She got fed. Um, and Jesse had asked me afterwards, is she going to be okay? Do you think that she'll be bruised? And not in a kind of, like a physical way, not yeah. a mental way. She's got so much good experience. Um, and if anything, it'll serve her just to stay away from big scary dogs with muzzles on. Um, and so it's interesting to, to play that back. And I'm sure it's interesting for people that were there uh, who saw it. Is that, you know, my first thought is... Um, get the other dogs away so you don't want anybody else to get involved and actually the camera it was fantastic but the puppy Mally looked at what was going on and then connected with Willow and sat and took food from oh, her oh that's amazing uh, Tristan came in to do a muzzle punch and correct him but he was muzzled 
because we knew what this, this great Dane was capable of. Um, so he came in to correct and went away. So you're watching other things as well. So it's really interesting in that moment because all yeah. I'm doing is focusing on the big boy and getting yeah. him out of there. Um, and yeah, so my first thought is get him out and make sure nobody else is going to join in and create, you know, it turns into a thing, which it didn't. It was great. Second thought is, shit, is the puppy all right? You know, she's um, just had a, a huge week. I mean, it would have been a lot for me. It's like 90 kilos or something. Yeah. Um, on top of a human, never mind a, a little 25 kilo dog. Um, and everyone handled it really well because we all, we're all very aware of that. And I was thinking, and I wrote my post this morning, you know, when you see good parents, um, I actually was walking with my friend uh, last year, a couple of years ago, and our three-year-old fell and I instinctively went to him and she stopped me. I'm not a parent. So I was going to go, oh, you're all right, help him up. And she was like, no, no, wait. She stopped me and he brushed himself off and ran off. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So she was like, you know, if he's really hurt, he'll cry. But if he's um, if he's just fallen, it's kind of part of life, right? You see that with kids, by the way. You see what they, they fall, they hurt themselves, something happens. They don't do anything. They don't react at all. They look to you. And as soon as they make eye contact, they might start crying at that point. You know, it's really interesting. I've seen it so many times. I find it hysterical that the, there's no reaction whatsoever until they get engagement from somebody and then they start crying and howling their eyes out. And then it's really interesting to see how the parent responds and and that locks in, right? It, it, it makes the experience mean something or not mean something in the same way as if somebody's having a bit of an emotional moment and you totally dismiss it and you tell them, you invalidate their feelings, that also locks it in. But then equally, you've told me before that we can also reinforce their feelings. Can, yeah. It's a fa- it's not an easy thing to get right. It's to hear, not diminish, but not reinforce and lock in. It's not. <laughs> that's why parenting is so bloody hard work, especially with teenagers. So on the outside, it might look like um, I mentioned the charity earlier, emotional, emotionless training. Mm-hmm. On the outside, it looks like I'm not interested in the emotion because um, I'm wanting to move away from us being emotional about the situation. I'm absolutely aware of it. Yes. <clears throat> and there's an appropriate place to put emotions, appropriate place. So you're talking about somebody who'd witnessed um, one of the dogs, what happened being hurt? You're talking about Fraser? Yeah, so um, a little while back, we were doing one of, I think, our reactive dog workshops or something. And I think you were doing a spell of touching the dog and showing how they respond to touch. So there was this dog that you'd work with um, for a while. I think it had had an operation recently and it hadn't had much exercise and it had become very reactive to touch. And um, it was muzzled and and you were doing some work to get it used to being touched, which was the normal, you know, not backing off from it when it doesn't like it, reinforcing it, giving it lots of praise. And But at the start, before the state change had happened, it was very stressed. It was clearly very stressed. It was reacting to everything. It was pulling away from everything, pulling towards everything until you started working with it. So you took a dog in a very stressed state, but you put it, it was in a semicircle of people and then there you're doing stuff to the dog and now they're associating you creating the stress states so even people who know how you work and worked with you and all seen all the results we try and shy away from that don't we we do shy away it's scary it's it's horrible so so somebody who was a regular was like that really upset me watching that dog in that state with you doing stuff to it in that state really upset me even though it trotted very happily back so um fraser had tried to feed it when it was in that state and it wouldn't take anything. And when it came back to his owner, 
he was able to feed it and it was taking the food, right? So, so the before even, and after is great. Within minutes, right? It wasn't even that long a thing. Um, but still, uh, as a normal human, it, it, the reaction is, oh my God, that dog is so upset. I'll make it better. I know. And, and it's um, something that it's really, really relevant just now because there are, like, you know, yesterday we had that post up of the Spaniel um, and, and we had someone um, take it and kind of say it was, you know, horrifically treated, the dog was stressed, why are you not? And so we had a discussion with Willow about alternative options. I don't want Willow to be, um, that's why I wrote that to you, I took a lot of that out, but yeah. kind of my thoughts are, I don't want Willow to be biased towards my method, I want her to learn everything so she can make her own mind up. Um, so if she wants to go and be force free, that's totally fine with me. Yeah. Just don't stop everybody else doing what they're doing. It's totally relevant for you to say, I don't want to be part of that. That um, I only want to work with cockapoos, you know. But there are dogs doing a lot of damage and they don't have to be. And there are dogs getting put down and they don't have to be. So that's where I sit in that bit. And not everybody wants to deal with that. Even the trainers, some of the trainers that come on the course, they don't want to deal with that level or the size of dogs or whatever. Um, but they're great trainers. Yep. It's totally relevant for us to choose what area we want to work on. What's not good is telling everybody else this is the only way to do it. And being deluded about what it actually is. So um, rewriting the narrative to suit what your view of the world is, right? So I think, I think a really good way of looking at things is um, how would I explain it to somebody else? So at the moment I'm... Um, I'm working with a fellow therapist to teach her how to do the trauma resets. Um, and we did a, a, a workshop, just her and me. We recorded it and then I'm turning it into notes so I can teach other people how to do wow, the trauma resets. Exciting. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, because I think you, the point you made, which is, you know, if something happens to me, nobody else gets to go through this experience. I think that's a real shame. And um, she'd been through the experience herself, experienced massive transformation in a relatively short space of time and was like, okay, I need to learn how to do this for my clients. Um, so we did the session and um, we were able to, I've been working with her for a few years and we were able to just like start again a little bit at basics. Like let's understand the way the brain's coding, let's understand how things work. So through the week afterwards, she, she did it with a, a client straight away and it was amazing. He's, he's seeing amazing transformation. So she's able to apply it, which is great. But um, she's then, as we do, reflecting on herself and going... So um, I've got this thing and I think this might be trauma. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't think it's trauma. I think you can reframe it. And then she's like, oh, well, I tried reframing it. And she, what she does is a cognitive reframe. So she kind of relogics it to put it in a different context. I'm like, work. that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. I'm like, you need to just make it silly. You just need to mess with it. You need to make it silly. She's like, really? Do you think it's easy to do on your own? Yeah, so she did. So, so she just made it, this event that had happened as a child, she just made it really silly. And she's then spent like she was she's a, a retreat and then she spent hours afterwards having a reaction to having cleared it I'm like see but before she was like it's not made any difference I've done this I've done that and it's not me of course it wouldn't you just have to mess with it so I think helping somebody else understand how to do things um, helps you understand it oh, better for sure absolutely so the idea of you know a blank canvas that Willow is that you know, yes, she's worked with you and yes, she has a certain amount of bias, but kind of considering what she would be like out on her own allows you to put yourself in the perspective of owners and other trainers and really challenge some of the assumptions we might make. I think it puts the ego to one side and say, right, this is not about I know what I'm doing better than anybody else. This is about 
well, if it's not replicable by somebody else, what then it? it's not something, right? It's got to be... Re- well, it's we've some- got a wee bit of that too, because I am starting to see... You know how there's like the phenomenon that um, when I'm holding an e-collar controller... Yes. The dog, does, the dog knows? Yeah. I've tried hiding it. I've tried standing back. We had this um, Romanian dog. She was an absolute cracker, like really great to learn from. Because um, she came out the car and she was... Well, her owners have described her as nervous, so I'm looking for signs of nervousness and going, I'm not seeing any. What, what am I missing? I always assume it's my fault. Like, I always assume that I'm doing something different because I can't, you know. So um, she met a couple of dogs and she behaved in a high-ranking way. So, you know, putting her, um, you know, staring a little bit intently or putting her head over on her shoulder. Choosy treated her differently. Tristan treated her like a boy. Storm, who's cool as cucumber, put her hackles up, didn't like her. And I'm like... This is all very interesting. And then she challenged some something happened where I saw her teeth and I just stepped in and went, Don't do that please. And she went, Oh really? Okay. I chased her from the pack. You can't you don't get to be in here if you're behaving like that. And then we got it on video. Um she snorted at me, stared at me, tail up, and then kicked the grass several yeah. times. Kicked the grass. As, as if she'd just marked, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. to claim her territory. And I wrote to the professor of uh, ethology. I got a, a reply back from one of his um, his postgrads um, to confirm what I'd seen. Because I was like, well, this is great. And we've got a video, have a look, you know. Um, just to kind of make sure that I wasn't seeing things. And they were like, absolutely. But it's difficult to say in a dog because they're, things are skewed when it's dog. It's not a wolf, it's not a wild dog, but it's a street dog. So yeah. you've got a little bit more... Um, strength in that genetics, but hardier, yeah. more likely to be displaying natural behaviours in the street okay. Yeah. Totally lost my train of thought where we were going with this. Uh, uh, blank sheets. Also, do you uh, like my hat? Can you see this? Yeah, it looks like the witch's hat I got for bowling. Yeah, but it's, it's not as... Mine was black. It's like want? subtle, though, and also purple. Yes. <laughs> Did that help you regain your thread? We were talking about training Willow and... Um, Putting the ego to the one side and just seeing what we're... No, the e-collar thing. Yes. Oh, the e-collar the being... Intent- a, well, yeah. we talked about intention. Yeah. That's a difficult one, but at some point along the weekend, we did actually have a chat, a couple of us in the kitchen, and got to the bottom of what my problem was, but I totally forgot what our outcome was. Hannah will remember. Um, hopefully. So. Was it that you had a mental health issue? Because I'm guessing it wasn't. We are still coming back to that. So, um, <laughs> anyway... I did that to her. Now, probably no human in a long time or ever has done that to her. Yes. And this dog made friends with me. Right. At the end. Okay. She was comfortable with me. And that was really unusual, right? Right. Because surely she should have gone, what the hell are you doing? Why have you just told me to bugger off? And and she's come back at me. And we found this medium ground. And she almost, like I would say, if it was was respect, if I took a, a subjective stance on it, um... It's remarkable. Your yeah. average pet Labrador with the pressure like that would have been like, oh, I'm not going to her again. Mm. She went, we're cool. I loved it. I was like, it was really raw. So yeah, I'm seeing a few a few things that um, intention is, is breaking through. It's not so much training or bonding or giving food. It's nothing to do with that. And I was talking about how a cowboy, um, I was learning under for Western riding and, and eventually uh, training people to ride Western. Um, was working with a horse on the ground and he said to me that I'm too prey driven I need to soften and be much more aware of my intention 
And I did not know what he was talking about. <laughs> like, I had no idea. Yeah. And then I got it. I don't think he was even there. It was weeks and weeks later. Yeah. I, I just something clicked in me. Um, and that's so difficult to talk about intention. Yeah, I think, um, I think all of this stuff is difficult to understand because you're approaching it from many different aspects, but it's the zoomed out view. It's like we're looking at everything. So I think one of the things owners do a lot is they talk about situations. So um, when this happens, I don't get a reaction I like from the dog. They're a really good dog and I've got no problems with them really, apart from this one thing where we've got a problem. And, um, and, I, and I think maybe, you know, even people have that, you know, I'm absolutely fine, but I just get really anxious around people or when I have to do a presentation or something like that. And, and it's like everything else is absolutely fine. So it can't come from stuff that happened before because it only happened since I was an adult in this particular situation. And I'm like, everything's linked. Everything's always linked. You know, there's reasons behind everything. So I think one of the first things that you do is you zoom out beyond the what you've been told and look at the whole situation and then you're pattern matching because you're proofing different situations and you might have a theory but then you try it in a different situation where it either should or shouldn't apply and you see whether your theory is true and i don't think owners do that i think that's owners really hard doing my training course by the way so we have i'm about to put up a video of atlas um that lot... whole sentence made no sense because you're in the middle of eating part of your dessert <laughs> Well, the, the pattern matching went on my brain about how we do something unusual. Because you say to me, I'm like, trying to prepare for weekends and stuff. And you're like, you know, you're just going to wing it anyway. And you're going to come up with random shit that people are going to be like, where did that come from? <laughs> well, we've got an example. I've got a few, but this one's quite funny. So um, we're doing quite a lot of work with Atlas. So he's got to the point now where he's liking touching people. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm saying this out loud because I want to consolidate it for a post later. So we did a lot of work with... Um, people touching him um, and what Jesse's done is gone touch 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 it's over and he's kind of like I'll deal I'll deal I'll deal I'll deal okay here's the reward and he's really happy afterwards right and I want that same happiness while okay so we stopped touching him afterwards and we started combining the picking up his leg with the touch so one hand pick up his leg one hand do the scritchiness on his back okay good boy good boy and then after we let go nothing happens right. so he's then moving around going well this is where I get the reward but the reward was happening during okay do you see that? Yep. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> what, is it a really difficult concept that Dawn's going to struggle to understand? <laughs> so the next the next layer of that was then going in this crate, because one of his last areas of problems is um, growling in the crate. Yep. And he was like, I'll go in, I'll go in, I'll go in. Um, but then, oh my God, I'm in, oh my God. So um, I decided to open both doors and treat it like a horse box because we've got a horse that mm-hmm. won't load. Get them to go th- just walk through, yeah. walk through a hundred times. And the walking through becomes the, oh, this is okay. Yeah. And suddenly you can close the door and the horse doesn't panic. Which is really weird because it's still the same box, right? But you're tricking the brain. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing is tricking the brain into going, the thing that you thought was going to kill you didn't kill you. Look well, how- if it's pattern matching... We talked about um, correlation and causation, right? Like, this links us on to subjects that we actually talked about before. That's so bizarre. Um, <laughs> the, so it's like, like it's <laughs> in psychology, there's this kind of concept of um, how we regard something being linked. So you have a correlation. So uh, one of the books I read had the example of um, the more ice creams that are sold, the more people drown. 
And so you might go, there's a link between selling ice cream and people drowning. I feel like death by ice cream wouldn't be the worst way to go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big fan of ice cream. But I'm not sure on my gravestone I want the um, epitaph to be drowned by ice cream. I don't know. That'd be fairly unique. You get lots of people visiting your gravestone. What flavour? <laughs> well, what's your favourite flavour of ice cream? <laughs> to be fair, Don, I like them all. I like Mr Whippy ice cream. Oh, that's not really a flavour. I would sell my soul for Mr Whippy ice cream. Not a flavour. Doesn't matter. Type, I think. It is. Absolutely it is, but it's like really hard to get hold of. Um, but yeah, I don't like bits in my ice cream either. It gets in the way of the ice cream. So, um... <laughs> so you don't like chocolate chip? No, I, I, it's like bits. You don't put bits in ice cream. It's smooth. It's like cookie dough, like... Well, ben and Jerry's cookie dough. It's so really no, I, I, the, that's too sweet. So, but the exception is chocolate fudge brownie Ben and Jerry's. That okay. would be my favourite ice cream if I was to name one because it's not too sweet, but the fudge is quite soft, so it's not too interrupty of the ice cream sensation. Okay. So anyway, so we might jump to a conclusion that there is something about selling ice cream that makes people drown. Maybe they have an ice cream before they go in the water or something like that. But actually, um, there is a link, but the link is something that's a third thing, which is when it's hot weather. So when it's hot weather, you buy more ice creams. And when it's hot weather, you swim more in cold water and are more likely to drown. So that's actually causation. So hot weather causes an increase in ice cream sales and it causes more people to drown. But ice cream sales do not cause people to drown. We have to be careful how we read statistics. We do. So um, we do this uh, assumption. Sadists. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to do sadists? <laughs> that probably work for them, actually. Um. OMG. <laughs> now who's got mental health problems? Everybody. <laughs> So, um, so I think we, we do this pattern matching all the time. This caused this, right? So um, because I had them out in the rain, I caused them to be grumpy and aggressive with me. Yes. So, but that's not the case. Provocation. Yeah. So we assume that the situation and provocation causes a reaction in the dog. But it doesn't cause a reaction in a hundred dogs, it just causes a reaction in this one dog. So is it really the cause or is it just a factor? So I think the, the zooming out allows you to say, is it, is it the cause or is it the factor? Are you the cause? You know, if you tell me the story of your dog and you've never let that dog move on from that story. And it's entirely valid that your dog might have initially had a reaction, but because dogs don't future pace and they don't consolidate in the same way, way we do as humans, it's unlikely. You can help your dog get over something by not projecting your emotions onto it. So allowing them to have certain situations and helping them through it. So um, the crate example is um, cause and effect, right? So when I go in a crate, um, this will happen and um, I will react because I don't like this happening. Hang on a second. When I go in the crate, I go right out the other side again. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not a case of when I go in a crate, this will happen. And so therefore, I don't need to react anymore. So now we've changed the situation. We've taken a model that you've already got and introduced the possibility that it might not work the way you wanted it to work or you expected it to work. In which case, now you have to deal with it on a case-by-case -case basis. And then everything changes. 
unless we just kind of go, oh, I've closed the door again and now my dog's going to bite me. You know, in which case we're going to, we're going to predict the situation on them. There's a couple of things on provocation before we get back to Atlas. Um, when I'm working with dogs like you described with Fraser or like in the um, video with the Spaniel, you'd said to me that it's useful to use dogs without humans being present because it's difficult to... Because that dog is stressed regardless of me being there. It is. But because I'm in the video with it... It's you that's causing it. The humans all go, she's provoking that response. Yes. Um, which is such an interesting psychology because it's been brought there because of that behaviour, mm -hmm. obviously. But that's what you know. That's what I know. That's outside of the edges of our picture here. And all you're seeing is this snapshot. So you don't see all the outside edges of the picture. What you see Which is, is exactly what marketing does, right? Marketing plays what we see right now yep. rather than... Yeah, it, it appeals to that bit. It forces us to zoom into something and only notice that bit. So... The interesting bit, I was speaking, we did a, an Excel bully um, podcast last night for people that are um, worried about and things that we can, you know, do proactively and so on and tidying up a little bit on the ban and what's coming. The um, provocation is not permissible um, in a court of law. Okay. For a dog. For a dog. Yeah, exactly. Tidy that one up. <laughs> So um, we all go with that understanding, not me, because that's what I'm trying to do. And for, I can say it's because I raise therapy dogs and it's, you know, I can say, it, but let's, literally that's how I see the world. I see the world in a very different way that we're bringing animals into our homes and giving them, um, we, we have expectations for them. We're not thinking of their perspective or needs, we're thinking of ours. Mm -hmm. And then we're blaming the dog for behaviours that it's doing. All the situation. With, with the pressure yeah. that it's under. Um, it's kind of stuck. It has to, has to behave a certain way. You can't just, you know. So when I, when I say things like that, what I mean is um, if we're not making its breed specific needs, if we're not um, giving it an outlet for its energy, which is the same thing, really. But um, understanding its language and how it communicates, if we're not being aware of non-verbal communication that we're giving out, um, we're causing a mini mental health problem <laughs> in our dogs. And then the dog's left going, okay, well, I have to do something. And that comes out as, um, you know, we'll call it behavioural problems. Not the dog's fault. Which is interesting because, um, let's talk breed-specific needs for a moment. Mm -hmm. Breed-specific needs means that, you know, most dogs are a working breed, pretty much all of them, and each working breed has particular fixed actions or innate needs um, that need met. And um, so if you do not meet it in a socially acceptable way, the need still exists. So the dog will meet the need in their own way. And if you've got a dog that's on, that's a working dog, then without any structure, boundaries, or way of meeting their needs, they're going to behave in a way that is as per their breed, right? So we just assume that unless it's being provoked, we are not going to have any sort of particular response. But if you've got a prey-driven working dog, then it's got that constant need 
to meet the prey drive. What would happen if you put that dog in a soundproof room and just fed it in there? What would happen? It just would go crazy. It would just... What does that look like? Um... I feel like you should be asking me this. Okay. Hey, Jess. <laughs> I just had a thought there. Wait, what do you think, though? What uh, do you think would happen? Well... Now I can't answer that. Okay, so a prey, like, a prey, just... well, I've just got one. I've got an email from somebody, um, a year old dog, and it's chasing its tail. Right. right. So it's not able to meet its breed specific needs. It's got high prey drive, uh, and it's going, I need this. So they're all treating it like it's got a neurological problem. Mm. No. It's It's got a needs being met problem. But I, I can't go in and say that just now. I've got to wait and assess it. And, and what I would do, my, my plan of action is foundations. Live in a pack. Let's see what what you're like without pressures of yes. humans asking you to do stuff. Let's just take back to your as natural form as possible, and then let's go meet your needs. So energy tick, brain work tick. What do you do next? Mm. Are you still doing that behaviour? If so, can I then correct that? Can I yeah. re reshape that to something else? What's going to happen with that? But we need to start with a, a base. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm choking. Right. I shall fill the space. Although there's background music, so we could just like hum along while we choke. <coughs> Christmas music as well. Yeah, just to explain the context of where we're sitting. Um, this is. Got <laughs> <laughs> me to choke. Got to just choke more. Um, this is very Christmassified, um, with all the things, stockings hanging over the fireplace and things. <laughs> but there are there are paintings on all the walls. So now we're going to have a competition between should we have the paintings on the walls as a picture or my cake. <laughs> And yeah, so um, what what the owner has done is wrapped every painting on the wall like it's a present with a little bow and everything. So there isn't actually a single picture showing. They're all wrapped as presents. It doesn't it doesn't sit well in my head. Why are presents on the wall? Oh no, she missed some over in the corner. Um, yeah, so so Jess had a bit of a moment when she noticed this. I don't like and it. just like I don't like it. And the walls are brick, right? So why have we got presents on the wall? Yeah. And also fairy lights around them. Yeah. She's gone a bit like, it's like Christmas threw up in here and then ate itself. <laughs> I can well, say that because dog needs, owners all needs know weren't that, being met. Dog owners all know that dogs yeah, yeah, are Yeah, thanks. You didn't actually need to clarify that <laughs> and leave people who are visual with that image. So, provocation. Provocation. Yes, so the provocation and situation so people like in this situation this happens when i do this this happens but it wouldn't happen in that way if there wasn't something going on already there wasn't some breed specific need that wasn't being met some learned behavior the if you don't get your own way it's perfectly really acceptable. important to focus on right yeah so rather than going the dog is the victim yes in that picture of that video with me with the spaniel we should be going, why is that dog biting a human being yeah. or attempting to because he was muzzled? You know, why are we not thinking about pet stuff? Why are we going the human automatically must be wrong? Because um, we are soft on our pets and um, we will not tolerate any sort of bunny ear quotes uh, cruelty towards our pets. And the minute you put a person in the mix of a pet's behaviour, the person automatically becomes responsible because it's a helpless little thing <laughs> with big teeth. So I've been thinking about this overnight and I wanted to run this by you. Um, I've been to court once mm -hmm. and it was um, a really awful incident. Uh, I was sitting watching the opera of all things um, 
and I was with two friends, one of which I didn't know. She was in, um, I was in the end on the right. My friend was in the middle of us and her friend was on her left. And she was sitting next to a middle-aged man. And um, in the break, she was really unwell um, and told us that he'd been touching her leg. Now she froze because she went into a normal human state of um, help me, Bob. And this has happened to her in her past, but we didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so she'd been uh, sexually abused in the past. So her uh, instinct was to freeze and let it happen, which meant that he was for the last half hour, approximately, um, touching up and down her leg. Right? Yeah. Pretty horrific. So we said, do you want to go? And she went, no, 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 I don't want to ruin it for you guys. I want to stay. And, and to be honest, we didn't know enough at that point because we should have left. But yeah. at that point, we were just like, she was downplaying everything. Yeah. So I took her place and I was obviously armed with the knowledge of what he'd done. <laughs> yes. So I sat there with my arm, uh, arms folded, um, with my eyes aware on him. And he did the same to me. But just before he touched my leg, I absolutely whacked him. <laughs> Now, we ended up in court because yeah. she put a complaint in about him and apparently he'd done it before and so on. Um, and I was called as a witness. And I was absolutely freaking grilled by his defence mm. as to why I set him up mm-hmm. knowingly sitting there mm-hmm. and waiting to smack this man. Right? Why yep. would you do that? Why would you sit there? Yep. So I provoked him somehow yes. into doing that behaviour towards me. Like, what the hell? Oh, helpless guy. Oh, yeah. my God. And, and I, I was absolutely furious. I think I was actually told to, to stop uh, talking or just answer the question or something because I was like, hang on, why is this is turning around into, you know, he's the victim? And I, yep. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Really angry. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting that um, we all... We're behaving like that that defence lawyer was when we're looking at the the dog that's just gone to bite a human and going, yeah, but you put him in that position. Mm. The only position that he's safe in would be a padded room. And my job is to go, how do I get this dog to be a nice, safe citizen? And within 20 minutes, I was able to prove that he could be off lead. Mm. I just couldn't let him. And I ended that session with him like really beautifully. Everyone saw that. He wanted to take food from me. He wanted yep. to touch me and so on. So anything that we did, it wasn't horrific enough for him to be fearful of me. No. And they've been given work to move forward that will help him not do that behaviour ever again. Yeah. The alternative is to stay away from everything that's potentially stressful stimulus. Which implies that he will not be stressed if you do that. And you have a... a that's a, really a important. Spaniel has very breed specific needs that have quite high energy. So um, it is not true that to stay away from stressful situations it would mean that the dog is no longer stressed. Absolutely. And these owners are, you know, amazing people. They have been to force free trainers. They've been told how to counter condition and, and so on. It's not worked for them. No. So, you know, yes, I could probably take that dog and within six months have only counter conditioned it. Why would I want to keep that dog in that state for six months when yeah. within 20 minutes I can help him and then show them what to do to move forwards? And by the way, not using corrective methods because that's not what we did at all no. we've got him off lead no absolutely so uh, the corrective measure was to hold him wait till the muzzle was tightened and then release him and not back off when so it wasn't even corrective that's, no. the, that's the irony of that yeah I know yeah so um, yeah I've been explaining to Willow that there's other ways to do it but the ethical question is always for the owners too we need to consider the owners because they're scared that the dog's going to bite them because it has hospitalised them yep um, and so I guess we we'll come around to that thing again. If you want to train cockapoos and you want to deal with um, this is the small dogs, that's absolutely fine. 
but don't go picking on people that are willing to help the owners that are, you know, have got their last chance dogs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the people are remarkably resilient because, and I have this with my clients all the time, the amount, like with you, the amount of people that come to me having tried many people before and it, it's not worked and sometimes it's made things a lot worse and that they're there on the phone with me saying, can you help me? when they already had an issue with feeling not good enough and broken and have seen countless people who've reinforced that and made it worse. They still have hope. And they still go, but it's not okay to feel this way. Mm. So I think it's remarkable when an owner comes to you having been through such a hard time and often seeing the behaviour in their dog escalating and escalating and escalating, but still believing that they can help the dog and the dog can be in that better place. I think it's like really wrong of us not to provide the opportunity if we can i think it's it's like wow you're amazing we're starting with something amazing and all i'm going to do is unlock you to enjoy that one of the things the feedback a couple of things that the the trainers have been finding it remarkable how many trainers the owners have been through yes um and the owners are reporting back that they're feeling supported and not judged so that's really important you know really important um, so we've got another one coming up at the end of the month at the Whirl. That's, mm. that's apparently posh Liverpool. It is posh Liverpool. <laughs> it's kind of close to my, my, my territory in some ways. They used to, I, when I was working in a call centre during university and I was making phone calls to a mail list, was North Wales and kind of the surrounding areas, um, I ended up speaking to somebody in, in that area and they said, you know, North Wales was South Liverpool or something like that. It's like the ultimate insult to North Walians. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of my corner of the world, the northern part. But yes, you've got one coming up in the Wirral. And you will continue because there is such a huge demand. Well, the difference this time is that I'm taking uh, some trainers with me um, who have levelled up. So they've been um, coming on this journey for a few months. Um, I think Hannah's been to every single thing I've ever put on. <laughs> Uh, Since the first residential. She's so keen. She's coming on Sunday. Okay. Um, and she's coming to stay with me. And then we've got residential happening this week. Yes, we have, yeah. It's the biggest one yet. So we've got seven dogs. Yeah. Four trainers. Um, so yeah, Hannah's coming with me. We've got a team of four that are going into the world. And um, obviously I'll be sort of overseeing and stuff. But um, it'll be hopefully less on me to be talking the whole time. Because I lost my voice this weekend. I know. <laughs> well, normally I'm there narrating. So you get yeah, to well, do, Jessie did a great job. She's track. really good, and, and I think that being there as somebody who has been through it with her dog, and 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 the other thing is that Jessie's still like six months on. We're still picking away. At, you know, her day to day life is like completely turned around with that list, but we're still going. There's little bits that we can change. Like for example, that like I was saying before she's doing the thing he doesn't like and then rewarding after and I'm now combining the thing he doesn't like with the, with the reward and afterwards nothing happens so we're just tweaking little bits as mm-hmm. we go and so she's able to then tell people you know how much work it is so we've got similar cases to hers that are yeah. um making contact and, and they get to see the before and after that's the nice thing right this is this is so you know, this is why I share the testimonials with clients because when a client comes back to me and says like everything's great I'm like can you just share something so I can share with other people because it's so hard to believe that what we do works and there's so many questions over it that they need to see for their own eyes well, kind of proof right yours is a little bit 
easier than mine because you can do the work without the. It's okay. Then. No, sorry. What I mean by that is, I know your your people have. To, I was going to say your owners. I know your clients have to do the work, but a lot of the work is done in the session, right? So the brain has to just kind of process and stuff. Whereas I'm kind of relying on the owners to make the changes for the dog. So um, you're just crossing everything. They're actually going to do what you ask and not just pick the bits they like. Mm-hmm. People do that too. Yes. Pick the bits they like. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's interesting. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself and about working in, in our team and about what we're going to... Whenever Jesse and I get together in a room, like we have so many ideas. It's just, you know, just kicking off all over the place. It's trying to not run before we can walk. And um, I got to use a prong collar, as I said, for the first time. So that was a really interesting experience. Um, so I was asking this great Dane just to back away, just move out of my space. And he was like, nope. So I had a slip lead on because that's my comfortable tool of choice because they can't escape from it. Um, as in, they can't go over their head like a yep. collar can um, for safety and so on. So I just asked him to move back, a bit of pressure. I used the lead like a rein from, on a horse. So I never jerk it. I don't believe in doing yank and crank. It's constant pressure, ask him to move back. He went, nope. So I did the other hand, I had one hand on the on the prong lead and one hand on the, the slip lead. And I asked him and there was just had zero like it was like dealing with a, a pony. Okay. And obviously I've trained horses for a lot of years. Um so I had nothing. So I then asked with the prong and it was like butter. Alright. And he just went, Oh yeah, move back. So um and then when when the altercation and happened and I and I used the prong then, um just for it just a came with me. Last couple of minutes, um a lot of people won't know what a prong collar is. So my assumption when you say prong yes. is it's a big collar and it's got these Oh they look awful. It's the, it's got these spikes. Yes. Right? Rounded end spikes. And then when you tighten it, all the spikes dig well, in. The idea I think is that the the links are um It's not spikes though, is it? Well, they are essentially. They're 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 two they're like prongs. bent links, prongs. Yeah, things. all around. But essentially, the whole thing works independently um, together. That makes sense. <laughs> so each link is separate. So when you apply pressure, the whole thing moves together rather than um, on a slip lead where you've got pressure at one point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it took it took the like complete power from him. So for big dogs, I can see why people use it. However. I've got enough time to say the however, but you've got three minutes. No, you're just gonna we um, have two minutes. However, the um, <laughs> the problem is that the way that, that many people use it and indeed this dog had been used is when we correct it and we override the correction, we're not changing the underlying emotion. So no. we still have to deal with that problem. It's control. You're so, using it for control, absolutely. which actually you did need. And so um, we need it, but we, we need have to have to... control and then we need to rebuild new pathways for what we'd like to do instead. So we yes. don't have to use the control too much. Forever, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, yes, great tool, looks horrible. Um, don't really want to personally use it. So somebody said to me, what would you do instead? Start with absolute basics with him and, you know, build it up. I don't want to have to use something. I don't yeah. have to use it on a horse, you know, why? Um, respect first. And um, the need is there for the dog that's not in control. And that's the important bit. Yes. How do we get to that point? Sometimes we have to control first and react afterwards. But don't believe that controlling changes anything. It just gets you out of a situation. If Absolutely. you want to change ongoing behaviour, you have to control and then create a new pathway. And that's what everybody forgets to do. That's a beautiful place to leave it, Don. Oh, wow. Thank you so much well for Well done, me. Okay, thank you too. Enjoyed our chat. <laughs>